Hello, you CBS. Good morning to you. Are you well? I'm very well. How was Excellent. your weekend? Uh, it was actually chilled. Um, it was chilled. I'm glad Lauren Hill arrived for a concert. Otherwise, <laughs> a, lot, a lot of people would have been unhappy today. So the real question is whether her voice arrived. It, by the sounds of it, it did. But she's got the most amazing fans. Even when she's like useless with a fluey voice, then like, no, man, she's just being authentic and stuff. I've never seen people making so many excuses for an artist. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit like some political parties. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Now, 3D printing, we are over how amazing it is. And I suppose it's now about improving the innovations. Yes. Well, listen, um, you know, up to now, what, how 3D printing works, if you can imagine a printer that prints on a piece of paper, it prints inkjet on it. And typically, a 3D printer lays down layers of plastic on top of one another and, and you know, creates a 3D image. But, you know, it has, does have its limitations. Now, these guys from the University of California, and this really excites me, have done this incredible work with one of the local national laboratories, and they basically um, used uh, l- layers using light. So they get the light to send the layers through, um, and they can even use this with metal powder. And this new machine, which is called the Replicator, comes from Star Trek, if you're a big fan. Um, it, it basically does this by shining light onto specific spots and then rotating the resin that solidifies uh, up to a certain level. So it's still very, very uh, at the beginning stages, but, you know, and they can only do very small portions. But if they get this right, it will make the current technology kind of obsolete because this does it a lot more efficiently. It can do it a lot faster. And that's a challenge that 3D has, you know, to make an object like this, it can take you a while. Yeah. But with this, they've demonstrated they can do this really fast. But the fact that they're using light uh, is just something that's quite mind-blowing. Absolutely amazing. Now, one thing that you have been keeping tabs on is not just as a journalist, but also technologically, and the two are linked, of course, is on fake news and the impact that has on our lives. Yeah, absolutely. And it's has a huge impact. In fact, this weekend, uh, you know, Facebook uh, released a report of how many websites they've kicked out, and it goes into the thousands. Uh, and you take into account the elections that are coming up in these various countries and how these guys are spreading fake news. And it's really not rocket science because, I mean, you and I, we're quite astute. We, we're well read. We can read if something is fake or not because there's certain things that we pick up and automatically flag. There's spelling mistakes and, you know, you, you know, certain facts that aren't, you know, are, are not factual. And, um, and, you know, today's technology can to a certain degree eliminate all of this, but, you know, they, these guys, the Fraunhofer Institute in, in Germany, it's kind of Germany's version of their, of their, um, Technology Institute there. They invented the MP3 there mm. at the Fraunhofer Institute. Anyway, what they've come up, they've come up with a s- software that can detect fake news and automatically take it out of the stream that it appears on. And it's quite significant in, in how they do it. They use a very smart algorithm. The software starts um, looking at where this website is linked to. It analyzes the, um, you know, it analyzes the, uh, the grammar that's been used. And a lot of the time, a lot of these guys that spread fake news aren't necessarily, um, you know, well-spoken and well-versed in English, for example. So you find a lot of grammatical errors, spelling mistakes, etc. So what the software does is basically runs through all of this stuff and it automatically has the ability to, to stop these posts from going through, alert the different authorities and form its own algorithm to work out whether the news is fake or not. Well, you know they, what I like about bad people, though, is that often bad people are very clever. So it's going to be a moving target. It will be really interesting to see how fake news generators, 
how they adjust change their, their tune. Change their tune. Yes, you know? yes. And can you find an algorithm that can detect whether Pinky was paid or not? Well, because <laughs> the most convincing fake news is if you have Aki actually being the one spreading the fakeness. Well, this is the interesting thing about this is that they have specific um, metadata and machine learning. So the machine okay. learning is learning and anticipating what you might be changing to try and okay. circumvent what I've already know what I already know about you. So the technology is becoming so smart together, uh, so smart today that it's it's really the computing power that we have can totally eliminate this kind of thing. Mm. Um, and, and I think that it, there's such a massive spotlight on, in 2019 on this because of the impact that it's absolutely. having politically and around the world. Yeah, absolutely. On you know? And, um, and, and it's, it's astonishing. Mm. You must see the list of the false, uh, w- the false Facebook pages mm. that Facebook identified that have now kicked out mm. and the influence that it has because people believe them. You know, the thing is that when you look at a fake news story, it appears on my timeline because somebody has shared it, and that person has shared it because they believed in that. That's right. You know, that's the scary part. That's right. And it gives you that extra credibility, and then it just spreads exponentially. Absolutely. So it, uh, we're living in a very, very dangerous time. Yeah. And if we don't put a head on this, if we don't like put a you know stop this from happening, mm. it's you know politicians are going to manipulate us Absolutely. in such a way. And and this is what we've discussed so many times: the power that Facebook has. Mm. To manipulate people into changing their mind about Already, who they're going to yeah. vote to is, is scary. <laughs> Absolutely. Our last story is very exciting. It's basically how to keep the world a safer place. You can avoid Aki. And what we're soon going to have street lights that will tell you Aki is sneaking up on you. Well, you know, we already Walk have... Walk faster, you CBS. You know, if there's one thing that hasn't evolved is a street pole lamp. You, just think about it, the logic of it. It's sitting in the sun all day. There's a light. It's, it switches on at night. It's using city power. Now, is that efficient? Are we using that space efficiently? Um, did you know that street mm. pole ads globally, it's an $18 billion market. Yeah. It's massive. So what they're doing is they're, re, they're rethinking about street poles, and they're putting solar panels on them. They're putting cameras. They're putting sensors that are measuring temperature, that are measuring traffic, that are measuring the people that are walking around. And, and they're feeding all of that stuff into a, a system to get better understanding of what's happening in your city. Now, just on that, and, and yeah, they can monitor traffic patterns, air quality. Um, you know, they can do, uh, they can even issue traffic tickets because, and they're using this in some parts of the United States. So the camera is looking down and it sees that you see this parked his car at 10 o'clock in a parking zone. He's only allowed to stay there for an hour. If he, if he exceeds that hour, takes a snapshot of the photograph you don't need a police officer to write a ticket anymore because it's being captured by the street that's a good pole. point yeah. you know this is kind of scary but on that issue have you seen these street poles and it's uh, these street poles around the city of joburg i'm mm. saying I'm, i've got a picture it's almost like a they're not uh, you know they're not part of the traditional street poles but it's like a street pole uh-huh. if you can imagine with a a UFO that's three quarters up. Yeah. Um, I've, I've noticed a lot of these, and uh, a few of my friends have noticed these as well. What they're now starting to do is to starting to put cameras. Now, do yourself a favor. As you're driving around, look for these around us. They are now putting cameras up, and they are monitoring our movements. They're monitoring number plates of vehicles that have been going, that are driving around. It's linked into a system. It's part of a smart city system. I understand it's security cameras. But you see, this I anticipate there must be hundreds, if not thousands, of these of these poles that are going up across the city of Joburg. Now, who is behind this project? Why are we being recorded? 
why is there nothing, there's no more information about this in the media about it? And what does it say about our privacy issues? You know, in San Francisco, That's they... really, they, really interesting. I thought they were just speed cameras. No, 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 those aren't speed cameras. Those are actual cameras. If you look closely, there's a camera. They're in every single suburb. Every single suburb, every single corner. There think, are thousands of these cameras that have been deployed. Do you think Herman is watching you at 2 o'clock in the morning? I think he's logging onto a system <laughs> and he's looking at us. Look, I get, I get the fact that we need to be a safer city, but sure. I think that we need to be communicated this as citizens. Absolutely. And it needs to be debated. Absolutely. The same debate is happening in San Francisco, by the way. Mm. And it looks like the people of San Francisco are, 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 are um, voting to not be allowed to be captured on surveillance. It's really of any interesting. Okay, we'll, we'll chase it up some more with the city. Do you feel comfortable about it? I think it's a very good it? question. Uh, man, I, I live materially, but I also live in my head. So do I feel comfortable? I don't know. But it, it opens up debates that go back at least to the 90s and, frankly, far earlier about trade-offs between security and civil liberties. Yes. You know, and it's, it's an age-old thing. Yeah, how exactly. much How much of an invasion of your personal privacy are you willing to give up in order to maximize security in your city and in your country, um, especially in the fight against things like, you know, um, when we have terrorism in the world, this kind of debate well, comes exactly. up the world over. So the technology is new that you're talking about, but the principal tension between civil liberties and national security, that's uh, that's an old chestnut. It's really interesting. Chestnut, eh? <laughs> Get well, out of okay. here! Well, listen, if you, I suppose the adage is that if you've got nothing to hide, you shouldn't. there's nothing to worry about, right? That's... Yeah, yeah, for the most part. Yeah. yeah. Do you have anything to hide? No, nothing at all. But I really, I a, you, you're Greek. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, just next week, I'd love to hear your feedback. Just be vigilant as you're walking around. Look at and see how many of these you can count. They are all over the place. Wow. 16 minutes after 11. Thank you so much. Aki, coming up next, Family Matters. And we're going to be talking about the psychological consequences of crime post-traumatic stress disorder and other responses psychologically you and I have both to actual criminality but also just the threat of crime in our crime-ridden society.